welcome back to the JTCC podcast. I feel incredibly lucky to be sitting here with Mary Carrillo for this episode. Mary is a former Grand Slam mixed doubles champion, winning the 1977 French Open with friend and fellow commentator John McEnroe. She is currently one of the most respected sports broadcasters in the world, one of only six women inducted into the International Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Since her launch in 1980, Mary has covered 14 Winter and Summer Olympic Games among her varied work with CBS, ESPN, and NBC. Mary has been the recipient of numerous awards, including Best Commentator by Tennis Magazine and Broadcaster of the Year from the WTA. Mary is here at JTCC for our annual GEICO Champions Celebration Gala. She is one of our honorees this year, along with JTCC founder Ken Brody. Mary, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. I love this place, as you know. I've been here a couple of times now, and it's, it's a very, very special place. Thank you. We appreciate that. Can I just start by asking how you got your start in tennis and then also in broadcasting? What led you to where you are? Tennis was easy because the Douglasson Club, uh, where, I, where I learned how to play, where I started to play, was only a couple of blocks away from my house. And it was a great country club. It had swimming and, and bowling, and they were sailing right down the street. And I picked up tennis at a pretty early age, and I was lucky that another kid who lived right up the block from the Douglasson Club was named John McEnroe. And though I'm a couple of years older than he was, uh, we started playing at about the same time, and I saw how good he was. And I, I grew to love the sport, and I love watching John play. And he started playing tournaments, and he started getting lessons, and I just kind of tagged along, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was just there to watch my friends play. Um, as far as broadcasting goes, I was very lucky. I happened to be at Madison Square Garden for the Virginia Slims Championships one year, because I'm from New York, and I wanted to watch my buddies play. And I was asked to commentate on the last match of the night. And it, ha- it happened to be a terrific match between Tracy Austin and Yvonne Gulligan. And some, a producer who was going to be in charge of showing women's tennis on USA Network later that year, mm-hmm. he had heard me that night. And, and I had just finished playing my last match at 1980 Wimbledon, losing very quickly. <laughs> and he's, he, he happened to call me up a couple of weeks later. Just at a point where I was wondering what to do. I'd already taught a lot of tennis. I was thinking of going to college. And he said, do you want to try TV? And that's how it started. Very lucky. That's a great story. Yeah, definitely lucky. Um, So I heard you and JTCC CEO Ray Benton go way back. Yes. And that you were actually offered a job at ProServe, which you graciously turned down to pursue your broadcasting career. So what was that internal motivation that sparked that decision of yours? How did you seem to know that broadcasting was the career choice for you? Honestly, at that point, I had done some writing, mm-hmm. and, and I, was, I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. Um, I was invited to come up here uh, and, and to interview for a job with Ray and Donald Dell and Sarah Fornachari, mm-hmm. and I was quite overwhelmed by it. I mean, it was such a, an impressive, slick operation that I kind of felt like at that time I was in over my head. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I would do great in that particular atmosphere. Um, they were all, they, it was, they were so professional and it was such a business that I was a bit in awe of them. Mm-hmm. So I was still trying to figure out what I was doing and finding my way. Um, and again, the broadcasting thing was, there was an awful lot of luck involved with that. You stumbled upon it. Almost. I kind yeah. of did. Yeah. I kind of lucked into it and then I just kept going. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So how does it feel to be such a successful woman in the sports industry, and how do you use your success to empower and inspire other women that are interested in sports? You know, 
so often I, especially in the beginning, uh, at the start of calling tennis matches, I was the only woman around. I mean, there, most of the people in production are guys, and uh, I often found myself, be, maybe there was one other woman mm -hmm. involved in the production of a, of a sportscast, mm -hmm. a, a, a tennis match. That's changed. More yeah. and more women are into it, um, and that's all to the good. I mean, tennis is one of those sports where I, I, I played, so I had a little bit of... You have of an advantage. Yeah. I, had, I had an advantage with that, and ten, women's tennis and men's tennis... The scoring's the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the you know stylistically, it's the same. Like I, I was lucky that my the sport I love was was not gender specific. Yeah, and that allowed me to do more and more. And I take I take my position seriously. I I very much encourage other women to to follow along. The glass ceiling is still there. It's got a couple absolutely. of cracks in it now. Yeah, um, but it's getting better. Absolutely. So as a sports commentator, you witness all kinds of epic moments in athletes and teams' careers. What have been some of your favorite moments that you've witnessed? Well, in tennis, I mean, we, we, I work for Tennis Channel. We go to the, every one of the majors, and we yeah. cover a lot of other uh, events as well. So anytime, I, I have fallen more and more in love with the Australian Open every year because I think... That's my favorite, too. <laughs> it's just an unbelievable tennis tournament, yeah. and it's right in the heart of the city. You could walk from the middle of Melbourne... Yeah. down to the courts. The weather's usually great, and the players are fresh. They've just come off of, you know, mm -hmm. vacations or training blocks, so they're all fit and fresh, and they're not aggravated at the media yet. Yeah. By the middle of the first week, they're already starting to get bored with our questions, but I think that, so I, I happen to love the great big tennis events that I get to go to, but I've also, as you've already mentioned, I've covered 14 Olympic games, yeah. and I've covered the Westminster Dog Show, the National Dog Show, the Beverly Hills Dog I happen to love dog show. I, yeah. I have a lot of passion for a lot of different things. Absolutely. And what I do allows me to express all that. Um, so leading into my next question, actually, you've traveled to and covered 14 Olympic Games. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine what an incredible experience it must be to be right in the middle of that exciting atmosphere. What are some of your most memorable moments at the Olympics? Oh, boy. Um, First of all, I, you know, tennis has taken me to some of the great tennis cities in the world, you know, Rome and Paris and, and obviously New York and Melbourne and, uh, you know, Wimbledon, London. Um, but covering winter games, I get to go to all these amazing mountain cities yeah. that I would never have gone to right. uh, without that. And, and so I happen to love the Winter Olympics only because speed is such a big part of, of what so many of those sports are about. Yeah. And I am in awe of speed, but I'm also afraid of it. So watching people fly down the mountain, a mountain as fast as you can, uh, you know, the downhill, for instance, is absolutely awe-inspiring to me. Figure skating, luge. So the winter games that I've gotten a big kick out of, uh, I've gotten to cover a lot of uh, figure skating and a lot of skiing. Michaela Schifrin is one of my favorite athletes. She's amazing to watch. Figure skating, uh, Michael Phelps, I, I was around for his whole career. That was amazing. Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. There was this great moment in Rio uh, at the Summer Games a couple of years ago where the USA gymnastics team, there was this great moment where it was up to Biles to like nail this yeah. floor performance. And you could just see her saying to herself, you could see her mouth the words, you've got this. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest moments I'd ever That's cool. So, I, I mean, I happen to love excellence in all forms, whether it's, whether it's sports or art or architecture or music. But to see all of these athletes at the, at the peak of their fitness yeah. doing 
things I would never even imagine doing. That's why I love the Olympics so much. Yeah, and it's got to be incredible every four years. Um, I'm, I've already shot features for Tokyo next summer. Yeah? I just came back from Japan. Yeah, I was oh, there wow. for a couple of weeks. So That's exciting. Yeah. I didn't know they prepared that early. Yeah, well, we do features early, profiles yeah. and historical features, okay. cultural features. I did a... I learned all about sumo wrestling. Oh. I went to my first ever sumo championships. <laughs> uh, I learned about samurai. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was cherry, cherry blossom season oh, in Kyoto, wow. so I was there for that. So I've got a great little little gig going here. So what's been your favorite? Uh, going off the script here, what's been your favorite destination for the Olympics that you've been to? That you've been uh, to? I love Lillehammer. Okay. I had never been to Norway, and I thought it was magical. Just yeah. this tiny little town that was alive for yeah. a couple of weeks. I loved I loved Vancouver. The Vancouver games were gorgeous. I loved Athens. The Athens oh, Olympics yeah. was I mean there I I I'm very much looking forward. I didn't like Sochi that much. No. It was no, it was the weather it was almost like they could have held a summer Olympics there. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> and Pyeongchang was extremely cold and windy. Yeah. But I think the Tokyo games next year, one of the reasons I'm so excited about it is I'll be covering tennis there and it will surely be the final Olympics for Roger Federer, oh, for yeah. Rafa Nadal, for Novak Djokovic, a lot for Serena, <laughs> for Venus. It will, tennis will take on a great deal of importance at the Olympics next summer. Absolutely. So I'm very glad I'll be there. That's a good point that you bring up. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. It makes me a little bit sad. Well, maybe Djokovic <laughs> will play another one, but yeah. I can't imagine all the others. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. All right, well, I'd like to talk about... Um, your numerous awards for your commentary. So aside from your advantage of on-court experience, what do you believe sets you apart and helps you stand out from your male commentator counterparts? I don't know if it's it's a gender thing, honestly. Yeah. I think the reason I, I get to do the stuff I get to do is because I'm really curious. Yeah, <laughs> that's important. I, I think it's, it's huge. I mean, I genuinely want to know what makes the athletic heart beat, no matter mm-hmm. who it is. Um, so and and it's interesting. Like when I started, uh, when I started uh, sports broadcasting, the women were always doing the soft stories and the getting to know you features, and the guys were always doing the hardcore yeah. nuts and bolts of a of an event. But as time has gone on, it seems that the long form storytelling, backstories, and all that men are doing that, and women who want to be taken more seriously yeah. as sports broadcasters, they want to do the hardcore stuff. <laughs> so there's been a very kind of like a shift there. It, it's been a, a total tectonic shift yeah. in terms of gender covering sports. The okay. women are trying to prove something, the men are trying to prove something, and I've always tried to do both. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that definitely probably sets you apart. So let's talk about this badminton rant of yours, this very popular badminton rant from the 2004 <laughs> Olympics in Athens. You have seen this thing. I have, I've seen it many, every four years it resurfaces. <laughs> yes. It really does. Yes, and it goes viral again. It goes viral all over again. And last night, for the first time, I was I was telling my boyfriend about how I was going to be doing a podcast with you today. And I was like, he was like, who's Mary Carrillo? He's not a sports person. <laughs> Don't take offense. I, I'm okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you got to see this Batman rant. And I showed him the video, and he just is like, I don't get it. And I was like, <laughs> haven't you ever played Batman in your backyard? This is exactly how it goes. And, like, no. just, and I, was, I was like, this is comedic, but also super accurate. So, and, it's, and, and by the way, it was extremely factual. 
Yeah. All the names of those kids I mentioned, yeah. they exist. And its I know it's called Badminton Rant. It's really a motherhood rant. Uh, right. It's, uh, it's all about what it's like to have a bunch of kids at the house, and badminton becomes an entirely yeah. different sport. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> so I really think it's incredible, and I think it really encompasses your unique style of commentary altogether. And you're very witty, and you make it look effortlessly easy. I mean, I know that wasn't scripted, what, you know, what you're going wasn't. off about. So where does that come from? Is curiosity, like you were mentioning before? Or? I think a lot of it is that. And, and again, uh, if you like sports, yeah. and if you have children, and if you, like, if you are living a, a life on this planet, yeah. things occur to you, I think. Yeah. You know, certainly things occur to me. The badminton rant was... We, it wasn't scripted. We we had a little bit of time before we, we headed out to the badminton venue. Yeah. And I was just supposed to really be talking about equipment, the difference between yeah. professional badminton equipment and the stuff you buy at Kmart. Yeah. And it just devolved into this, this whole thing. And when it was over, um, my producer came out onto the onto the studio set and said, what the hell was that about? <laughs> it was very but much... It was epic. <laughs> like it was... <laughs> it's I, unfortunately uh, most of the time now you don't get that kind of freedom no, and that kind of time to have a rant like yeah. that. But I'm very happy that it, it exists in cyberspace. Oh, it's it's yeah, legendary. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite events to be involved with, and why? And do you have any specific favorite athletes that you look forward to commentating on? Well, obviously, in my own sport, I mean, this is tennis is the only sport I'm truly fluent in. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the only one I really feel like I have a, a good grasp of. So I think that's another reason why the other sports get me so animated. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't believe that these people have dedicated themselves for their their entire young lives mm-hmm. to be able to to be able to get on the ice uh, on on figure skating blades and flip and spin around four times. Yeah. So that kind of I love figure skating. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love skiing. Um, I, as I said, Michaela Schifrin is so technically and stylistically excellent that I'm kind of I kind of go crazy watching her snowboarding the aerials and stuff like that. Chloe Kim, I watched in Pyeongchang at the last Winter Games. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. And part of it is it's a very those are very telegenic sports now, and they appeal to youth. But when you see these people flying through the air, yeah, defying gravity, acting yeah. like gravity isn't a real thing. And they make it look so easy. And and they're young yeah. and fearless. Yeah. You know? I mean, these days, you know, I, I'm careful walking downstairs. <laughs> so I like the athletes who are, most of all, I like athletes who really put it on the line. Mm-hmm. Any athlete who's willing to commit and dedicate and and go up against it, um, they've got they've got my attention. And uh, what about tennis matches? Any athletes who... Whose matches you look forward to commentating on? I mean, really I, love to. Yeah, I mean, I yes, absolutely. Um, Naomi Osaka has yep. she's got my number. I mean, I really enjoy watching her fight and figure out ways to win and yep. and come through. I think she's going to be a great champion. She's already won the last two majors, mm-hmm. uh, and she's very young and she's very candid. She's very honest about her own struggles on the court, off the court. Yeah. She, you know, she lets you in in a way a lot of champions don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually keep things closer to their neckties than yeah. Naomi Osaka. So I'm fascinated to see if that will work against her in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's so willing to tell us when things are hard. You mm-hmm. know, fraught when she feels pressure. I hope she doesn't. I hope yeah. she really grows into this because I really enjoy watching her play. And obviously, the guys who are 
who are still around after all these years, still seeking major titles. Absolutely. Whether it's Rafa or or, or Novak or, or Roger, and again, they've all had their own struggles. Roger, Roger struggles less than I think any human being I've ever known. Mm-hmm. On a, he makes everything look easy. Yeah. Whether it's <laughs> answering the same question in four different languages oh, or yeah. playing, he seems to bend time. He seems to have time for everything. Yeah. Um, he makes everything look fluid and effortless and fun. Yes. I mean, there's joy in that man. So he, right now, is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, Roger's definitely one of my favorites, yeah. too. I think he's a lot of people's favorites. Oh, yes. Um, let's talk about tennis specifically some more. You've been around top tennis since the 70s. Has anything, in your opinion, changed in the mindset of a champion? Have you seen anything shift or change? I think what the biggest change, and I'm not terribly for it, mm-hmm. is the accent on winning majors as the only thing that really matters. Oh, yeah. I'm, I just feel like that has skewed like I, I think a lot of these great champions and they are great mm-hmm. all they care about is the majors now and that hurts the rest of the tour yeah um, I wish that and I understand it's a function of age that Serena plays less and mm-hmm. Roger and Rafa mm-hmm. play less than they used to and that's fine I, I will give them that yeah but you know when I look back at Martina and Chris Everett and Billie Jean King those players understood how important it was to to bring your best every single week because mm-hmm. they were trying to grow the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, Martina Navratilova and Chrissy played so many more matches yeah. than the modern champions played, and they supported the tour. And for that reason, I give them a lot more credit, I think, than most people who don't think that's a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's only about the majors. Yeah. And the fact is, Martina, you know, Chrissy missed a bunch of French Opens because she was playing world team tennis, so right. did Martina and the others. Uh, you know, Billie Jean King couldn't afford to go down to Australia and yeah. play the Australian Open. And for Martina, I think she missed, I think I asked her one time, how many Australian Open she skipped? And it was on grass back then. Yeah. Imagine how many more she would have won. Yeah. How many more majors than 18 Martina would have won when three of the four majors were still on grass. Mm-hmm. But she, I think she said she skipped 12 or 15. Like, yeah. So those that's lost in, in, in space and... Yeah. That, it, to me, is the biggest shift from players back then and players now. I also miss variety. I like serve and volley. Yeah. I liked a lot of that. A lot of, a lot of it now is, a, is pace and spin, yeah. which, again, I'm, I have great respect for that. But I kinda, I, I'm enjoying the fact that so many of the women, young women now play with variety. Absolutely. I think that's fun. Absolutely. So as we were just talking about a little bit, the 70s was an era of movement for women's tennis with the uh, Title IX and the fight for equality. And since then, there have been many strong voices in women's pro tennis, Billie Jean King, Martina, and the Williams sisters, too. Who do you think is the next voice for women's tennis? Because as you said, there's still that glass ceiling there. Who's, yeah, who's the I, next? I don't think there's been anyone, honestly, you know, I, I don't see, I don't know who that, to tell you, you the know. truth, I don't see some a leader you know. picking up the baton and saying, let's keep pushing forward. I'm, yeah. I think as a whole, uh, women's tennis is is very healthy and mm-hmm. very competitive. Okay. But I don't see one player, and I hope I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I don't see one player stepping up and saying this is what needs to happen. Okay. I would actually like the Women's Tennis Association to be more bold in, in what they're looking for. It seems to me that the ATP might fight for better prize money in the lower ranks and mm-hmm. in, in Grand Slam, you know, the early rounds of majors, and then the women kind of slipstream behind that. I wish that they were more... I wish they were more declarative. And I don't know who those young players... I mean, honestly, Billie Jean King 
was the biggest powerhouse Absolutely. in women's tennis. And Chrissy and Martina did a lot of... And then there was a, a drop-off. Mm-hmm. Steffi Groff was not political. She was not an activist. Neither was Monica Seles. Yep. Neither was a, a, whole, a whole bunch of people who've come after her, mm-hmm. after, after the greats yeah. in those ways. Um, I think a lot of it is expected now. Okay. It's everything's yeah. in place. Like, what, yeah. what are we? You know, things are good. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping someone does step up, but I really don't. I can't name them. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Can you name somebody? Do you see somebody who's really ready to? Not yet. Yeah. Uh, if I had to say someone, I'd say maybe the Williams sisters. I'm a big fan. I'm biased towards them. So, if someone had to step up, I'd maybe them. But they're reaching me. Well, just by what they've accomplished, yeah. they've done a hell of a lot. Yeah, they've already... They already have. They've already it, contributed quite yes, a bit. Yes, exactly. Um, so you kind of answered my next question a little bit already. We've obviously come a long way. What still needs to be done for women in sports in regards to equality? And You were just talking about the WTA being a little bit more strong. Yeah, I mean, I'm very glad that after a couple of years away from Tennis Channel, the WTA is back on our network. Yeah. That was... That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they had signed a big contract with another, with another network, and so we weren't covering women. I mean, if your name is Tennis Channel and you're only covering one half of the sport most of the time, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, but I do think there are so many big names in women's tennis now that when we're trying to decide, when we're covering three different tournaments at once, mm-hmm. and we're and we, we're bouncing from. Barcelona to you know wherever the women are playing back to where the guys went. we we get to focus a lot on the women's on the women's side because they are compelling now um, so that's a good thing there's st- but the disparity in just uh, inches in sports columns in mm-hmm. whether it's magazines or newspapers or internet articles I mean that that continues to be a fight yeah there are still plenty of people not just men mm-hmm. who think that women aren't as good at an athlete as mm. the guy standing next to them and that yeah that is going that kind of machismo is even in 2019 is a hard thing to fight but you've got to keep fighting it absolutely i agree i can't wait to see where it goes um so tennis is very fragmented does it need a commissioner and who in your opinion would be a good fit yeah. possibly even yourself if i were if i were made commissioner of tennis first and foremost i would demand a raise because <laughs> yeah, it's a big one yeah <laughs> a very large raise yeah um it's so fragmented yeah uh tennis and uh, the just between the atp and the wta not to mention the itf and all the other you know there there are basically seven federations that run tennis that's insane yeah, yeah. um and they're all in their own silos there's all kinds of crazy turf wars. I don't know that a commissioner of tennis could ever work because uh, because of the the way the the sport grew. It it just kind of kept yeah. growing, and and it's uh, this tangle of, of of turf wars. And and so I don't know that a commissioner is the answer. I think unification, like a united front. Mm-hmm. You know that everybody gets along better and and fights for the greater good of the sport is the best chance we've got. And that still doesn't happen nearly enough for my taste. Yeah, I agree. Uh, finally, last question. What advice do you have some for someone like me? I actually aspire to be a sports agent one day. So ah. I'm following Sarah, Rad, yes. and Ray. And then, yes. you know. Sarah was so, the first. Yeah, yeah. That, and We're talking about Sarah Fornachari, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, Yeah, she's a big role model for me along with 
Kelly Wolf and you know oh, yes. there's the the big ones. Lee Steinberg, I just finished one of his books. Ah. Um, <laughs> but what advice do you have for somebody like me and all of the other young women aspiring to break into the sports industry? Because it is still difficult. You would know better than me. Yeah. At, at, at this stage, I mean, I've been in it for so long, and I've tried to navigate through it as best as I could, and, and there's plenty of there's plenty of red flags and potholes. and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's getting easier, and I think, honestly, uh, there are plenty of companies now who understand the value of yeah. having women in the room mm-hmm. making decisions. I'll tell you that Billie Jean King has been a great friend and mentor for me for many years, and over the years, I've brought my issues to her, my yeah. problems, my fights with whether it's the WTA or the ITF or the AT, or, or, or the network I'm working for. I would take these things to Billie. And I would show her my frustration, and, and, and I'd be discouraged at times. And Billy would always, always tell me, you have to stay in there. You have to stay in the room. Mm-hmm. Because if you leave that room and leave that building and throw rocks at the windows, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, it's true. such great advice. Cause, yeah. and, and Billy has fought so many more battles than I ever did and did so much more to affect change than any woman I know in sports. Yeah. She took so many arrows in her back for people like me. Mm-hmm. I can't quit. Yeah. You know, I can't give up. She never did. She's 75 years old. She's still fighting the good oh, fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be my advice is yeah. to s- get in the room and then stay there like and try that. to, when the numbers change, when there are more women in the room instead of a tiny minority, mm-hmm. the mentality changes in that room. The sensibility changes. And that that's my best advice. That's great. Any advice that comes from Billie Jean King and comes from Ray <laughs> Carrillo, that, that's something to follow. And I have to say, your shirt yesterday was awesome. Isn't that like, a, yeah, my iconic was, Billie Jean King shirt? I was telling, again, my boyfriend, I was like, she was wearing this awesome shirt. It had Billie Jean King on it. And it says 646363. And he, you know, clueless. Okay. <laughs> and I was like... Remember we watched, and he was like, oh, that movie. And I was like, it's also a true story, though. And I was like, it's Before not Before it was a movie, it <laughs> was a sporting event. I was like, it was a huge historic event before it was a movie. All right, you got to give me this guy's number. Yeah, I, I, I got to straighten him out a little. He, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe my dad approves of this guy? <laughs> well, that says a lot about yeah, his other fine quality. It says a lot about <laughs> Uh, Mary, I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for being on the JTCC podcast today. I know all of us here at JTCC are really excited for tonight and to honor you at the Geico Champion Celebration Gala. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank Great job. You. Be sure to check out JTCC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the JTCC podcast to be notified when a new episode is up. I'm Nicole Ponka, and thank you for tuning in. Oh, 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 oh,